You're listening to sermon audio from King's Cross Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. For more information about King's Cross Church, you can visit us online at kingscrossraleigh.com. Today we're reading from Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7, and then John 14, verse 27. For a child will be born for us, and a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast, and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it, with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. Peace I leave to you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled or fearful. This is God's word. All right. Good morning, everybody. As you know, I'm, I'm Aaron, one of the pastors here. Uh, I'm the only pastor here today. Um, so I, uh, I get to be up here a lot. Um, but as we are thinking about about peace today. Um, I just want you to kind of imagine. Remember the, the last, you know, big fight that you had with a, um, is this on? It's working? Okay. Um, the last big fight that you had with, with a, a friend or a loved one, and just the, the tension that comes with, with that fight. You know, like a, um, you know, I mean, I, I think about fights that, that Jessica and I have in, in our marriage relationship. The the tense tension between us, right? The things are, they're just not the way they should be. And, and like, you know, I get, I get anxious, I get a tummy ache or, um, you know, feel like I have to walk around on eggshells and, and she feels the same way. And, but then imagine once that, once that fight is resolved and, and the reconciliation that comes, that's kind of what we're talking about. That, that Jesus brings that peace that right now in this, in this broken world that we're, we're in, you know, we, we have a lack of, of peace in so many different areas. When we have peace with our relationship with God, it's, it's broken because of our sin. We know internally in our, in our own selves, we're broken. Our bodies are broken, our, our souls are broken, our minds. We, we have brokenness in our relationships with others. As our relationships are defined by, by sin, there's animosity between us and others, and we need peace in, in all these areas. I mentioned earlier, like, we're not, we're not trying to do anything crazy here. We're just pointing to Jesus. We know that, that the peace that we need comes through Christ, comes through Jesus. So we need peace in, in all those areas. Jesus comes to bring peace. We're going to look at how he... Fulfilled, fulfilled promises. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna use some alliteration, classic, classic pastor move. So we get the promise, and then the process of how Jesus came. He came, he was made flesh. He came as as man, and then big fancy word propitiation. How Jesus came and he was the atoning sacrifice for our sins. How he died on the cross to pay for our sins, and that's what gives us peace. And then we're going to look at how that peace affects us. 
and all those areas that that broken relationship with God, we can be reconciled to Him. Internally, our, ourselves broken, we can, because of Jesus, we can have rest for our souls. And then we can have right relationships with others because we're able to, to turn the other cheek when we're wronged by others because Jesus has solved our biggest problem. So I'm going to pray and ask for the Lord to be with us today as we, as we think about as we think about peace. Father God, I thank you for the time that we have together to come and, and worship together. I pray that you would be with us this morning. I pray that you would help us to um, help us to just see you and, and to know that you are our peace. I pray that you would speak through me and, and that you would speak truth through me that um, it would be clear that, that you are the one that, that deserves all glory. Pray that in this broken world as we as we feel that the world is broken, that we would know that our eternal peace and, and hope comes through Jesus. Pray that we would feel that in a in a special way today, that that we have peace and we have hope and joy and love through Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. So we're gonna look at Three different ways that we need peace, right? We need peace with, with God, we need peace with ourselves, and we need peace with, with others. We know that the, the world is broken. We just went through the minor prophets and we saw time and time again the the sin that these people committed, right? The oppression, the um, the judgment that was coming for their sin, the day of the Lord. That's just a, a touch of it. We we have that, that brokenness and in so many different areas. So when we think first about the broken relationship with, with God, we see that at the very beginning of the Bible in, in Genesis chapter 3. Genesis 1 and 2, you know, God creates the world, creates the ham- heavens and the earth. He creates, um, you know, everything, the, uh, the stars, the animals, the oceans. Um, and then he creates man, and, and he says that it's very good. So Genesis 1 and 2, everything is going well. But Genesis 3, we see the fall. The serpent comes to, to Eve, deceives her, says, does, does God really say? You know, and he gets her to, to doubt God. Eve eats the, the fruit that she's not supposed to eat, gives some to Adam, who's, who's with her, and the relationship with God is, is tainted. Just think about the, the sadness that's here in Genesis 3, 8. I think, I think it's on the screen, yeah. Um, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the Eden breeze, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Before Genesis 1 and 2, their, their relationship with God was, was perfect, right? If God was walking in the garden, they were excited. They were happy to be with him. But now, because of their sin, they hide from the Lord. Their relationship with him is, is tainted. Jessica and I are... are um, watching the TV show Psych, Psych, which is my favorite show ever, um, about a psychic detective who's not actually psychic. He, he pretends, right? He's, he's just very observant and, and kind of deduces things. Um, we just got to the episode where um, he's dating this, this detective, Jules, and, um, and she has believed that he's psychic this whole time. And we just got to the episode where she finds out that he's been lying to her. He's been putting on this front. 
And that episode where right after she finds out, they, they kind of tell two different versions of the same story of, of like, what if she hadn't found out? And like, what, what happens, you know, since she did find out? And the, the coloring is different in those two different stories. And so you're watching the, the show and like one version of the story is, is tainted in a different color. And one version of the show is, you know, is, is normal color scheme. And I feel like that, that kind of visual of, of the world looking different, that's kind of what, what sin does to, to our view of the world. Right? Everything is, is different. The way that we see the world is, is different because of the brokenness of our sin. People talk about kind of going to, to heaven and, and a lot of times we imagine this, this place in the clouds. But no, it talks about, the Bible talks about the new heavens and the new earth. Like we're going to have a new earth. We're going to be on this earth, but our view of it is going to be different. Right? It's going to be pure without, without that distortion of, of sin. Everything is, is broken. We see that in Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, in this way death spread to all people, because all sinned. Death spread to all people because of Adam's sin. Everything is broken. Everything in this world is, is distorted, is tainted, is broken. Our hope of coming to God ourselves on our own terms, that hope is gone. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We can try as hard as we can, but we will always fall short of the glory of God. He is holy. We're not. We'll never be good enough. The most minuscule amount of sin in us separates us from God because of his ultimate holiness, his ultimate purity. We can't have peace with him on our terms because we've broken our relationship with him. So our relationship with God is broken, and then we are broken ourselves. We're not the way that we're supposed to be because of our sin. Think of injury, sickness, cancer, so many things that are, are broken in this world. On Friday at, at my workplace, we had a, a baby shower, and, um, and we did this, this quiz game um, with all these true or false statements about pregnancy. And let me just tell you, pregnancy is a reminder that the world is broken. It's not the way that it should be. Some of these statements, it was like, true or false? Your feet can shrink in pregnancy. False. Your feet swell, right? True or false? Your brain shrinks. You get mom brain. That's actually true. Your brain actually shrinks in pregnancy so that your body can be more efficient at, at growing this other child. So pregnancy is a reminder that the world is broken. Our bodies are not the way they should be. It's one of the curses of the, the fall. So our bodies are broken. Our minds are broken. You know, mental health is, is such a, a challenge. I, I saw this, this tweet from this head librarian. He was, he was kind of looking back on, on his 2023 and, and celebrating that he was able to, to be the, the head librarian of, of the library close to where he grew up, where he fell in love with books. But in that tweet, as he celebrated it, he mentioned crippling anxiety and, and panic attacks. Kind of, you don't think of, you know, 
people with grown-up jobs like that having mental health crises, but, but it's everywhere. Like, everyone struggles because our, our minds are, are broken. Right? We, we can have chemical imbalances where we have anxiety or, or depression because our brains are, are broken. And our souls are broken, too. James chapter 1, verse 14 and 15, Each person is tempted when he's drawn away and enticed by his own evil desire. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. So our desires pull us away from, from God. That desire grows into sin, grows into death. Our souls are, are broken and kind of drawn into that sin. Listen to this, this wrestle that, that Paul has in, in Romans 7 of the, the flesh and the spirit kind of fighting against each other. I'm going to read these verses. They'll be on the, the screen. Um, starting in verse 14 of Romans chapter 7. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold as a slave under sin. For I do not understand what I'm doing, because I do not practice what I want to do, but I do what I hate. Now if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. So now I am no longer the one doing it, but it is the sin living in me. For I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my flesh. For the desire to do what is good is with me, but there is no ability to do it. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but I practice the evil that I do not want to do. Now if I do what I do not want, I'm no longer the one that does it, but it is the sin that lives in me. So I discovered this law. When I want to do what is good, evil is present with me. For in my inner self, I delight in God's law. But I see a different law in the parts of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and taking me prisoner to the law of sin in the parts of my body. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? I think so many of us know that, that wrestle of, of, you know, kind of battling against yourself, of, of wanting to do what, what is good, but, but continuing to kind of fall into that sin. Many of us have that, that plea, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? We're so burdened by trying to be good on our own and, and falling short. So our relationship with God is broken. We're broken. Our relationships with others are broken as well. Our sin leads us to broken relationships. James chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. What is the source of wars and fights among you? Don't they come from your passions that wage war within you? You desire and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and wage war. So our, our sin leads us to, to broken relationships with others. We see something someone else has and we want it, and so we, we covet it. And it leads us to, to murder and, and passion and anger and fights with others because we desire and don't have. In Romans chapter 1, there's, um, you know, this, this truth where it, where it says that, um, you know, people suppress the, the truth with unrighteousness. They push the truth down by, by their sin. And there's this, this sad phrase where it says that God gave them up their sin. It's, it's repeated a couple times. And I'm going to read a few verses from Romans 1, 29 through 31 and just listen to the, 
this list of, of sins and how so many of them are their characteristics about our relationships with others. And when God gives us up to our sin, it affects the way that we treat other people. Here's the, the verses. They are, they are filled with all unrighteousness, evil, greed, and wickedness. They are full of envy, murder, quarrels, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, arrogant, proud, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, senseless, untrustworthy, unloving, and unmerciful. So many of these talk about the way we treat other people evilly. Envy, murder, quarrels, gossip, slander, boastful, disobedient to parents, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. The way we think about others is is broken. You can think about the idea of, of contempt. There's a psychologist that talks about, like, he uses the phrase, the four horsemen of the apocalypse in, in relationships, specifically marriage relationships, and, and contempt is one of those. If, if contempt is, it, you know, if, if that kind of defines your marital relationship, there's a good chance it's not going to survive. You view others with, with contempt, that everything that person does is, is wrong. There's no peace in that relationship. It's just brokenness, animosity. Think about corruption in this world where you're willing to cause others to suffer, to let others suffer so that your power, your standing can improve. You can think about the, the total disregard for another human that comes from something like pornography where that person's value is only in satisfying your lust to you. They're just an object. Total disregard for who that person is. Violence, bullying, your, your way is, is more important than that person. You, you don't care about their safety. You're willing to hurt them to get your way. The brokenness in our relationships affects this world in so many ways. We need peace. We lack peace with God. We lack peace with ourselves. We lack peace with others. What then? We have hope in Jesus. We have peace through Jesus. So, remember those, those three Ps, the promise, the process, the propitiation. So, Jesus comes as a promise to fulfill the promises of, of peace. So many promises that we read this time of year, Christmas time, the Isaiah 7, Isaiah 9. Um, even in, in the very beginning, Genesis 3, right after the fall, Genesis 3.15 is God gives Adam and Eve hope. God says to the serpent, I will put hostility between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. We have this promise right after the, the fall that, that the serpent's head will be crushed. There's hope through Jesus. Another promise to Abraham. When God tells him to look at the stars, count the stars, count the sand on the seashore, and it's uncountable, just like your descendants will be. The nations will be blessed. Every family on earth will be blessed through the descendant of Abraham, 
Isaiah 7:14, the famous Christmas verse. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. See, the virgin will conceive, have a son, and name him Emmanuel. We gave, uh, we gave Titus the middle name, Emmanuel. During Jessica's pregnancy with him, she was dealing with a lot of chronic pain, and it was a hard time in our lives. Um, but we knew that, that God had been with us. And we gave Titus the name, that name before he was born. And it became so true. After he was born, there was an emergency C-section. It was, he had to spend some time in the, in the NICU. Um, and then he had food allergies. We're figuring that out. And, and he was, um, you know, we just didn't know if our, if our son would be okay. And so worried. But it's just a reminder that, that God is with us. Emmanuel. And how beautiful it is that, that that's Jesus, made flesh. The virgin will conceive, have a son, name him Emmanuel, God with us. Those verses that Alyssa read earlier, Isaiah 9, looked at it last week too, for a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast, its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. God made these promises that salvation would come. That's what we remember. The people were waiting for the Messiah and and he came. Look at these promises in Isaiah 9. The government on his shoulders. We don't don't trust the government. <laughs> nobody, nobody trusts the government. But if the government is on God's shoulders, then we can trust it, right? Jesus is the wonderful counselor, someone you can totally trust his advice, totally trust to lead you in the right way. He's a mighty God, eternal Father, just God's immense power and, and might. And he's eternal. He's always the same. I am who I am. I will be who I will be. He's the prince of peace. All that brokenness, the brokenness in our relationship with God and in ourselves, in our relationships with others, Jesus is the prince of peace that brings peace to all that brokenness. His dominion is vast. There's not, you know, only a a small area that's covered by this but his dominion is vast. The prosperity is, is endless. Justice and righteousness define this kingdom. Right? There's no corruption in, in the kingdom of God. Everything that was unjust will be made right. God always keeps his promises. We know that Jesus came to fulfill those promises. Let's look at the, the process of how Jesus did that. So what we see here is that Jesus became a man to make a way for us to be saved. There's a um, little book from, you know, a long, long time ago from the 4th century written by a, um, a church father named Athanasius. It's called On the Incarnation, and he has this line in there of, of God became man so that man might become God's. I don't really use that that terminology anymore of becoming gods, but um, 
but Jesus became a man so that we can come to God. We can have eternal life with him because Jesus became a man. There's this theological term um, called the hypostatic union. We get um, get a little deep into theology for you guys today, but um, so hypostasis, the word that comes, that, that supports that, that it kind of means like realness, substance. And so the hypostatic union is is the the substance of, of both Jesus being God and Jesus being man. So you can just think of of Jesus being 100% God and 100% man. There's nothing that defines who God is, you know, his his omnipresence, omni, um, omnipotence, those, those kind of God characteristics. Jesus has all of those. And you think about, like, what it means to be a human. It means to be a man. And Jesus has all of that, too. And both of those things needed to be true for for Jesus to be able to save us, right? He needed to be 100% God to to be pure and, and sinless. He needed to be 100% man to be able to save us, to be able to take on our sin. And so there's this beautiful truth laid out in the scriptures of, of Jesus becoming man. God made flesh. John chapter 1 Verse 14 says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed His glory. The glory is the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus became a true man. He became flesh. And He came and dwelt among us. Lived among us. He did that so that He could make a way for us to come to God. You see Luke chapter 1, verses 78 and 79. Because of our God's merciful compassion... The dawn from on high will visit us to shine on those of us who live in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. So God has merciful compassion on us and the, the dawn from on high will come and shine on those who live in darkness. We're here in darkness and, and Jesus comes and he's light and he comes to guide our feet into the way of peace. We, we can't find peace by ourselves, but, but Jesus came and he came to guide our feet in the right way. See Philippians 2. Jesus emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. Jesus was able to die for us because he became like us. He took on the likeness of humanity. And he died on the cross. He did that to be a propitiation for our sins. <clears throat> See that in um, 1 John chapter 4. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. The word atoning sacrifice that's translated propitiation and some other translations that it's a, a beautiful idea of the, the atonement of you know people will um, kind of treat atone as, as a uh, compound word to help, help us think through it like at one we're, we're able to be made at one with God because of the atonement because of the atoning sacrifice what this idea means is that Jesus paid for our sins and he gives us his righteousness 
So we don't just go from negative to neutral, right? We go from negative to positive. We don't, our sin is not counted against us. Rather, Jesus' righteousness is counted for us. 2 Corinthians 5.21 is a, a great kind of wondrous summary of this. I encourage you to memorize it if you don't have it memorized. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Just that the beauty of, of the gospel right there in that one verse that, that God made Jesus sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's the, the peace that we have. Jesus was the fulfillment of promises. He became man so that we could become gods, so that we could have eternity with God. He paid for our sin and he gave us his righteousness. And that changes everything about our lives. We have peace. You know that the, the Hebrew word shalom peace in, in so many different areas. You think about Isaiah 11 that we read earlier, just the um, the peace in, in so many different facets, right? The, um, let's just read a couple of verses here. The, um, the wolf will dwell with the lamb, the leopard lie down with the goat, and the calf, the young lion, the fattened calf will be together. A child will lead them. The cow and the bear will graze together. Their young ones will lie down together. Just the peace that, that affects the world in this way. This total shalom. When, uh, when we were talking about that, um, you know, the, the infant by the cobra's pit and the toddler with his hand in the snake's den, um, I was telling Patrick the story of my family was out for a walk. Titus was on, on rollerblades. And um, and we were coming into our neighborhood, and and we saw a copperhead on the uh, on the ground. And Titus, you know, he's out in front with his rollerblades, and and he sees it first, but he sees it at like the last second. And so he's on his rollerblades, and then he like jumps over the copperhead in his in his rollerblades. And um, but you know, with my son being that close to a poisonous snake, venomous snake, um, just the you know the anxiety that you feel there. And just the, the lack of peace, right? So thankfully I found a big rock and I dropped it on the copperhead and we were safe. But um, yeah, just the, such a, a difference in these verses from, from what we experience now. Like if, if you're a shepherd and there's a wolf dwelling with your lamb, you're not, you're not at peace, right? Like that wolf is gonna eat my lamb. So we have peace in all areas, because of Jesus. And so let's unpack a little bit of what we see in the scriptures of, of what this peace looks like. So first, peace with, with God, right? We're reconciled with him. We talked about 2 Corinthians five twenty one a second ago. A few verses before that, it says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. Everything is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So Jesus made the way for our relationship to be made right with God, for us to be reconciled with him. It's just a beautiful truth. We, we see the, the way that affects 
our relationship with God in, in Hebrews chapter 4. It says, Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. People don't come to thrones boldly, right? One of our favorite movies at our house is The Emperor's New Groove. And um, there's a, a scene at the beginning, Yzma, the, the villain, she's on the throne. She shouldn't be, you know, it's Cusco's throne, but, but she's there. And, and this peasant comes with so much trepidation and, and he's asking, and, and, and she's just dismissive. She said, it's not my problem if you have, what was it again? And he's like, uh, food? He's like, ah, you should have thought of that before you became a peasant. And she dismisses him. And, and that's, you know, it's, you know, um, it's a kid's movie and um, trying to be funny on purpose. But, but that's kind of representative of how people come to thrones, right? They're, they're worried about how the king is going to treat them. What, what is a decision? They're putting their life in the king's hands and they're coming with, with trepidation and, and worry. And they're not sure how the king is going to respond. And it's just, it is wild that we can come to the throne of grace with boldness. We can come to God's throne with boldness. What? I just think about the, like, do I believe that, right? Do I come, in my prayer life, come to God with, with boldness? Am I praying that we may receive mercy and grace to help us in this time of need with with boldness. Our relationship with God has been reconciled because of Jesus, and that should affect the way that we pray, the way that we love the Lord. So our relationship with God is reconciled internally, like ourselves. Our souls can be at, at rest now. We have rested souls. Matthew eleven, twenty-eight through 30, the famous verses of Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I don't know about you guys, but I'm, I'm tired. Like I'm, I'm just always tired, right? I think, I think that's true for, for so many people. We, we have so much in our, in our lives that we carry, and and we bear burdens and carry yokes and we're tired, right? I was hanging out with um, the Bonillas this week. I just had a baby and they're exhausted, right? They're not sleeping while they're trying to take care of this infant. And how great is it that that, that exhaustion and tiredness doesn't have to be soul exhaustion, right? We, we don't have to, to carry this, this burden of our salvation ourselves. Right, we can have rest for our souls. We can come to, to Jesus and, and take his yoke on us, knowing that he is lowly and, and humble in heart. His yoke is easy, his burden is light. We have that that Romans seven wrestle of we read earlier that, that Paul, you know, said that he doesn't do what he wants to do. I stopped it at verse twenty four when I was reading that. But right after that, there's, there's that hope that we look forward to. Paul says, who will rescue me from this body of death? And then right after that, he says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So Jesus is the one that, 
that gives us peace and gives us rest for our souls. He made the way for us. We just follow him. Because we have peace through Jesus, we have rest for our souls, it allows us to have relational freedom with others where we don't need to get things from others, right? We're the uh, Because our, our biggest problem has been solved by Jesus, we have eternal hope and eternal peace with him. We can, we can love our enemies. We don't have to we don't have to protect what's ours. Right, Matthew chapter 5, Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, I tell you, don't resist an evildoer. On the contrary, if anyone slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other one to him also. As for the man who wants to sue you and take away your shirt, let him have your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to the one who asks you. Don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. That's a, that's a radical way of life. Turning the other cheek giving to those who ask you. You're not like, not lending, you're just giving. Because of the peace that we have through Jesus, it allows us to have this relational freedom with others. Remember that, that list of, of sins from Romans 1, the, the way our, our relationships are, are broken and, and tainted. Envy, murder, quarrels, disobedience. Let's look at Colossians 3 and, and just see what, what Christians are called to be because God has chosen us. Right, therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, that's who we are. We're God's chosen ones. We're holy. We're dearly loved. Therefore, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against another. Listen to this. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of Christ, to which you are also called in one body, rule your hearts and be thankful. Let the peace of God rule your hearts. So how we treat others naturally overflows from the peace that we have through Christ. I just want to remind us that this this peace should be extra true in churches. Right? As Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, he's he's writing to people coming from, from two very different backgrounds. He's writing to, to Jews and, and Gentiles. You know, there's this animosity between those groups. We saw it in, in Acts. We went through the this past year and just the the way that the Jews are, are kind of driven by the the law, follow all these regulations and, and um, all these specific food laws and the Gentiles don't and so the Jews see them as, as unclean. Paul's reminding these um, reminding the, the church in Ephesus that, that Jesus brings them together. He says this is uh, Ephesians 2 starting verse 14, for he is our peace who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility in his flesh he made of no effect the law consisting of commands and expressed in regulations so that he might create in himself one new man from the two, resulting in peace. He did this so that he might reconcile both to God and one body through the cross by which he put the hostility to death. He came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. So the Gentiles who are far away 
They weren't God's people that didn't have the law. But Jesus came and proclaimed peace to them. And the Jews that followed the law, he came and brought them peace too. So because we have ultimate unity with our brothers and sisters in Christ, how ridiculous is it if we let other things divide us? If we let political leanings divide us or, or interests or socioeconomic status. Right? We're united around the gospel, united around Christ. And that should be the strongest thing, holding us together. Nothing should divide us. So we know that this world is broken. We know that we need peace in so many different areas. We feel the sin in our own lives. We know our relationships with others aren't perfect. We sin against others. Others sin against us. We know our bodies are broken. But we know that Jesus came to make peace for us. John fourteen twenty seven that Alyssa read earlier. Such a beautiful truth. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. At Christmas time, we're reminded that our hope, our peace, our love, our joy, it's all different because it's built on the foundation of Christ. We're not relying on how others treat us. Right? Our peace comes through Jesus. Jesus said, I do not give as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. Let's let that be true for us, that we, we trust Christ. We don't let our hearts be troubled or fearful, but we live at peace. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your kindness and your grace to us. Thank you for your mercy on us. Thank you for the peace that we have in Christ. Thank you for just the way that we see that truth throughout the scriptures that we have ultimate peace, shalom through you that you would help us as we continue to live in the in the brokenness of this world with broken bodies and broken minds and, and still having that wrestle of, of fighting against sin and pray that you would help us to to know the, the hope that we have in Christ to feel the peace that we have through him to let the peace of Christ rule our hearts Thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you so much for Jesus. And it's in his name I pray. Amen.